to read Back to Reality, the best-selling novel of the bestseller experiment by the two marks, go to bestsellerexperiment.com forward slash back to reality. And subscribe to this podcast to get loads of extra bonuses. Go to bestsellerexperiment.com forward slash subscribe. Let's run the show. Hello and welcome to the Bestseller Experiment, where we continue to discover what makes a bestseller and inspire you to start, finish and publish your book. I'm Mark DeVoe. And I am Mark Stay. And thank you to our sponsor, Pro Writing Aid, the official editing software of the Bestseller Experiment. Pro Writing Aid is so much more than just some grammar checker. It's a style editor and writing mentor all in one package. What's more? Pro Writing Aid integrates with Scrivener, Word, Google Docs, Chrome, Safari, Firefox, OpenOffice, and Outlook, and it's designed for the smarter writer, which is all the you lot. And as a listener of the bestseller experiment, you can get a whopping 20% off right now. Now, pay attention because it's a bit different, okay? You go to ProWritingAid.com, choose your license length, and then enter the discount code BXP. Easy peasy. Go to prowritingaid.com, choose your license length, enter the discount code BXP, and then you will get your chunky discount. On the pro writing no date, we want to ask people if you've got any specific tips that you love about pro writing, please let us know because we want to share those with our listeners as we kind of delve deeper into what this incredible bit of software can do. So yeah, we're we're actually in full blown spring here, Mark. It's it's funny whilst the world, you know, the strangeness of the world around us, this, um, you know, where we are right now, everything's starting to bloom, and I'm feeling really positive at the moment. I don't know about you. Is it similar to you guys in England? You've got crazy weather, haven't you? Hot Easter weather, I heard. Yeah, sunshine has helped. I mean, it's slightly frustrating if you can't go out into it, but um, I'm yeah. very lucky here. And uh, yeah, it's been, it definitely helps with, especially waking up in the morning. You know, some mornings you just want to stay in and sleep until it's all over. I want to be Rip Van Stay and wake up one moment and figure out that actually, <laughs> oh, great, we can move about. But uh, yeah, the, the good weather definitely helps. Definitely helps. Uh, have you had that of interest? Have you had any? Any jokes about your surname and all the quarantining stuff? I'm sure that must have happened, is it? I've had a couple. Yeah, you know, <laughs> they've they've been blocked on Facebook. I've had a couple. Um, yeah, but uh, yeah, that's a lifetime of that, so don't worry. <laughs> we had so much great feedback from the last episode about our good news special that we 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 decided we're going to show up every every podcast and be purveyors of inspiration and. Uh, good news all around. So we're going to straight out the bat talk about some of the great things that have been happening within our writing community this week. Yeah, the reaction was just fantastic. It's been one of our best episodes for a long time. People were sharing it, sharing just the good vibes. So we're going to go out front with the good vibes and the social media stuff and all the good news. So uh, let's. Uh, I asked the BXP team this afternoon and uh, just said, what's, what's, your, what's, your bit, what's your good news, folks? Uh, Ed Howard said, it's Wednesday evening here, which means we're closer to the weekend and working from home has resulted in some really award-winning cups of tea banging as the kids say <laughs> small victories there ed i love the small victories sage davis he said them um, i think i finally figured out the editing software thing so the quality of my podcast should be a whole of a heck lot better from tomorrow's episode so sage has a podcast do check that out Penilla says she's managed to extract one of her teenagers from their room after two and a half weeks. So that feels like a win. That's actually, <laughs> it, it, please tell us how you managed to do that. I would like to get some tips on that one specifically. Say no more. Um, Andy, Andy Chapman, he said, I got rejected by the BBC writer's room. Oh, wait, that's not good news. But hold on. He, he wrote, a, he wrote a, a, a script, which I read today. He posted it on the BXP team and it's a really sweet script about two elderly people in confinement communicating online and it, i said to him look as soon as this is over find two actors from an amdram society locally film it make it I, I i said this on last week or the week before talking about there's never been a greater opportunity to write a short script and make it yourself and learn so much from that so andy i've been chatting with him about that i think he might actually do it robin sarty said i've discovered the trick to baking a fabulous cake isn't just listening to the bxp podcast it's wearing a tiara and listening to the podcast. So, and I believe it's Robin's birthday today. So, happy birthday to Robin as well. So, fantastic. Um, and here we go. Here we go. Some really good stuff here. Paul Arduin, after a couple of weeks of very little writing, 
The BXP 2020 challenge helped me realize that writing is one of the few ways that prevents me from obsessively checking the news. So I'm writing a lot. 30,000 words last weekend, Friday to Sunday. Wow. I think this book will be finished in record time. That's so, bonkers. Yeah. On that note, I'm just going to say, because um, we kind of talked about that in our good news special, didn't we? Five reasons why writing is more important than, uh, than ever. Mm. And it was because one of those reasons being putting us away from what's going on in the world right now. And I've got some good news that I want to share. Mm-hmm. And that is that the BXP 2020 word count, we have what we call the word bank which is where everybody who's taken part in this incredibly amazing challenge. And if you're listening to this and you're thinking, what is this challenge? How have I not heard of it? Or you're listening to this going, oh yeah, you've been banging on about that for months, haven't you? And you're still not signed up to it. We're going to keep banging on until you are signed up to it. Because we collectively, as a, as a writing community on the Bestseller Experiment, have now posted... Five million words. Five million, fantastic. Since the beginning of January, which is absolutely mind-blowing when you think about all of those things, which brings me on to something which I think we actually need to take a step back and celebrate because we're all about celebrating big achievements. And I've noticed, maybe, can you grab Claire? I think she's just behind you there. I'll see her in the background. Bring her over. Bring her over. I want to chat with her. Hello. Hello, Claire. Hello. He keeps me in Let, the cupboard when I'm not needed. He, yes. Is it? So you have to put you in there during the recording to keep quiet. I've got a big yeah. recording sign on my door right now so that my daughter who's out in the garden doesn't come banging on asking for crisps or something. But, um, Claire, I, I saw a post, uh, mm. it was on Twitter actually, and I, I, I'm not a very regular person on Twitter just because of my crazy life, but I happened to be on it, I think it was last week, and I saw you with a bottle of champagne, and I thought, hello, what's going on here? So the, <laughs> some, either, either times are getting really desperate in the stay household and you've, you're, you're, all, you're pulling out the booze every night, or something very <laughs> important's happened. Tell everyone what happened last week. Uh, last uh Tuesday I only worked half day usually I work full day um and I came home on Tuesday and after a lunch I went upstairs and I finished the first draft of my novel unbelievable I finished it yes and then I came down into the office and I saw Mark and he said what's the matter I said I've just written the end and I burst into tears. <laughs> oh, I love it. I so, love it. Yes. So I, I left beautiful. it. Yeah, I left it to sit for um until I think it was yesterday. Um and I've now started going through it again, checking for mistakes and anything, just making sure that it all makes sense. Um so I've been doing that yesterday and today. Um, I would imagine it will take me until the weekend, until the end of the weekend, and then I'll give it to Mark and let him have a, have a look at it. So, um, yes. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. She started this on January, January the 2nd. 2nd. And I've written every single day. Actually, I would say I've written every single day. I haven't because we were in Rome for a few days. But Ooh. what I didn't write when we got back, I made up. That, but that the, what I the, did. The 200 words a day, yes. that helped. And, yes. and the banking of the words and, yes. and sharing it online, that just kept you going, didn't yes. it? Yes. So to start with, people thought I'd, uh, somebody had hijacked my Twitter account <laughs> because they were going on about, you know, you're... somebody keeps posting words and I'm going, yes, that's me. You know, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, yes, I, I kept That's incredible. That and, yes, that's incredible. And for people that don't, people that don't have the full story, people that listen to this podcast regularly will will understand why this is so significant. But for people that missed uh, the last time we chatted with you on the show, you you've never written um, a full length novel before. Have no, you? I've You're only a writer written of children's, children's books. Yes, children's right? books. Yeah. Yes. And we started the BXP twenty twenty challenge, and you said to Mark, "I think I might give this a go." Yes. And what? So what's blown you away the most about? the actual routine of writing would you say that's got you to finish this book because you the thing is you're meant to finish the book at the end of december that was the idea i'm right? sorry like it I'm take sorry. 12 months to do it not not just over three that's amazing no this is this is what i completely love about what you've done claire it's the fact that you have you've you, you're a kind of you're the you're the 
pin-up girl now, the, the cover girl for this, because of the fact that we knew before we started this challenge that people would on average write more than 200 words a day once they got into it. And that's kind of what happened with you, wasn't it? Yes, yeah. I mean, never did I write less than 200 words. Um, I would sort of, we'd get up early and then before I had to go to work, I would, once I'd got washed and dressed um, and uh, the computer had booted up and I sat there it was it was something that I got into my routine of doing before I went to work um, and I would write down what number I started at and then I kept looking at the clock going oh I've got another 10 minutes I'll write a little bit more and then it's like I've really got to stop now oh what word count have I got oh, oh okay then oh I've done it now okay that's fine and then I'd go off to work and then think about what I could write next um, sometimes talking out loud over how to kill somebody, <laughs> hoping that the person in the neighbouring garden didn't hear and call the police. So, Excellent. Um, yes. That could be all kind of a, a fun PR campaign. Yes. You yeah. launching your book when, from, from inside a prison cell as you try to explain that you're actually yes. just an author. Yes. That's amazing. What would you say was the, the most... Um, one of the things that you learned through this process, because it's the first time you've written a novel from start to finish. What what have you learned through this process? Would you say the most that you take away from having done the the two hundred words a day plus? Well, just it's something I've always wanted to do, but never actually had the confidence to start and to do. And the fact that you've you break it down into small little sections is something that I, for me, I found helpful having if somebody says to you oh you've got to write you know 10,000 words today that just it's too mind-boggling you can't think of something like that you have to think of baby steps um and to me those small little steps actually ended up into big strides and um I was I wouldn't say running because I can't do that but you know I was I was walking <laughs> marathons but you had um, 3000 word days occasionally I, I did you? yes yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you know yeah. Wow. um but that wasn't all together I'd do a bit and then I'd go off and do some things in the greenhouse or in the house and then I'd come back and do a bit more and if you added it up all the way through the day it actually works out to be a huge amount yeah, um, and, but, and yeah. over over the weeks it builds and builds and builds. Oh yes, it? yes. Yeah. So what would you say? There's still people out there that still haven't joined this challenge, which I find bonkers because Mark and I are doing it. We've, we we're hearing the incredible stories. What would you say to somebody who's currently thinking, "I don't have the time for this," or "I don't know if it'll work," or "I don't know if it's for me"? Because we're trying to get people. We're coming up to what well, we're mid-April as we record this. At the end of every month, we always want to pick push to say to people, "Look." write a book in a year but in your case the fact that you've done it in just over three months means people could be signing up to this anytime up until like the end of September yeah, October September, and still write yes. their book so what yes. would you what would you say to those people who are still sitting on the fence thinking yeah I don't know if it, I don't know if it'll work for me just look give it a go just try it uh, you know you you can't spend your life going oh what if what if what if you know and then you get to the end of your life and you go oh I didn't try that give something a go and you don't know that you can't do it until you've given it a go. And you will really surprise yourself. I mean, I know I did of, of what you can actually achieve. You know, I mean, I might give it to Mark and he might go, Claire, this is this big load of rubbish I've ever read in my entire life. <laughs> um, I'm completely prepared for that. Um, are you though? I am. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be the, the future podcast. Will be yeah. uh, uh, hi, it's Mark DeVoe here, and Mark Mark can't be with us right now. I don't quite know where he's gone. We've had a look in the allotment. Can't find him there. <laughs> Dug up a few holes. Can't find him there. I, I, I really I honour you guys for going through this together. I think it's going to be a brilliant thing. And and just on that front, though, Claire, I like to always flip it the other way. He could say, Claire, this is absolutely blooming incredible. I can't believe. I can't believe you've done this. You know, it, at this point, the beauty of it, it's the first draft. We, we've talked mm -hmm. about this a lot on the podcast. We know that, you know, it's always about improving, improving, improving. But 
for me, what, what's more exciting, what's, well, no one can ever take away the fact you've written this book now, but what's even more exciting is what might this then lead to? I always call it the dream of the dream. It's like when you've accomplished what's in front of you as a big challenge, once you've done that, it suddenly opens up a whole world of other possibilities that you could never even imagine because no. the book was always the big block. So I'm super excited to kind of follow you on this journey and I'll, 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 be, I'll get in the middle. If, if I need to mediate, I'm happy to do that. <laughs> right? I could be the marriage counselor if you need to be, right? Oh. But, so. <laughs> but no, I, I just, I want to thank you firstly, just for kind of giving us this update and, and just to congratulate you because honestly, you know, it's the biggest achievement, I think. And, you know, having gone through this process with Mark and writing Back to Reality, for me, the biggest achievement is actually writing that book. It's yeah. such a incredible achievement and no one can ever take that away from you. And, you know, everything else that happens is a bonus. Yes. Um, and I'm so looking forward to, to following you on a journey. You. To, to put this in some sort of context, if you go back and listen to our, if you, if you go back and listen to the podcast and go three months into our podcast, we're still on that poxy 50,000 word outline. I know. <laughs> and she's finished a book in less time than it took us to do the outline. So yeah. I hate to say it, but Ben Aronovich was right. Ben, was, you were right. Ben, yeah. It can be done. She just jumped in with both feet and. So did, did I beat you then? Oh shush! <laughs> you absolutely did. But you know what, Claire? To be fair, to be fair, we didn't have the BXP 2020 challenge, did we, Mark? If no, we'd known no, about that or come up with it earlier, we would have been sorted. Yeah, yeah. We'd have written yeah. four books. You can make as many excuses as you like. It's just <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us today, Claire. Okay. Enjoy your enjoy the garden. Enjoy the second draft fun and uh, we'll have you back on to find out how everything's going very soon lovely thank you very much all right you take care Bye. all the best amazing um, unbelievable mark i'm absolutely chuffed to bits that's so cool that both of our spouses have now we've dragged we dragged screaming and yes. kicking into this book world and, <laughs> and then they're going to be more successful than us it's brilliant yeah, i yeah. love it i know i know it's fine oh I'm, my looking, gosh. Like so, I said, I'm looking forward to being a kept man and just sitting at home yeah, eating grapes, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm I can a... see your master plan just unfolding right now i'm being like <laughs> this is genius i love it you'll have your kids writing books soon you know and uh you know new swimming pool yeah okay right i'll get the kids on that yeah um, come on kids brilliant. get cracking brilliant. good stuff <laughs> So what else is happening on social media? I, I jumped in there because I saw Claire, but what, I know there's other other good news happening out there as well. Yeah, uh, we had a line from uh, Laura Bradbury said, my, my grape Quebec that I wrote using the BXP challenge. So another author who's finished a book using the BXP challenge uh, to keep me on track has been hanging out in the multiple top 100 category, Amazon categories all week. Uh, she's received over 25 star reviews so far. Thank wow. you, BXP 2020. Looking forward to listening on my dog walk here in Victoria, BC. She also hey. adds, yeah, I know. Down, down the road, road from, from me. You. Yeah. Uh, Laura adds, I just want to say that your podcast and this Facebook forum, that's the BXP group on Facebook, but is such a saving grace during this strange time. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Well, thank you, Laura. That's that's wonderful. Uh, that's brilliant, Laura. What we should say is if people want to know how to become a part of that community, it's very simple. You just go to bestsellerexperiment.com forward slash support and you support the podcast by pledging a very small amount each month to keep our running costs down to the bare minimum. And then you become part of this incredibly inspiring group, which is which is like Laura said, has helped her get to the end of a book and also helped her through these difficult times because communities, honestly, it's what it's all about right now. And unfortunately online is, is kind of the, the, the main community most people have now. Um, so if you want to become a part of that, please do check it out. It's, it's absolutely mind blowing. The people that we've got on there. It's you a happy place. It's a, it happy, a happy place. place. Good, good uh, folks. Jack Lever's got in touch for my first novel, Appetite for Risk. I received my first ever Amazon number one bestseller tags in multiple wow. categories. That's military thriller, war fiction, political thriller, amongst others. That's in Canada and Australia, and that's over the Easter weekend, which brought a smile to his face. More motivation to wrestle the 140,000-word first draft behemoth of my second novel to the ground and get the finale finished. Well, I mean... That's fantastic. Good problem to have. Yeah, that's good, very good problem to number have. Number yeah. one, congratulations yeah, on joining the bestseller club. Uh, our friend Taj Fragine. Now, you may remember a few weeks ago, Taj had a couple of full manuscript requests from agents. Well, he announced on Twitter today, I have some non-COVID-19 related good news. Now, just to say, Taj is an anaesthetist. 
in the NHS. So he's on the front line. Uh, along with all those yeah. amazing folk in the NHS, so Taj, and, that, and that's the National all, Health Service National for those Health outside of the UK. UK. Yeah, yeah. So Taj, mm. we salute you. We applaud you on a Thursday evening. Absolutely. But as well as all that, he's managed to get himself a literary agent. It's, wow! Yeah, so it's the Ampersand Agency. They're going to represent him and his novel, All of Our Tomorrows. So Taj, huge, huge congratulations on that, my man. That is just fantastic news. Brilliant. Really, really cool. Well really, done, really Taj. Cool. What else have we got? It's like I said, we, we we do have an interview with an amazing author coming up, folks. We do have, <laughs> we promise. It's just we just want the good news up front because we know some people might want to you know skip ahead or they might not listen to the social media at the end. But seriously, we just want to start off on 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 the best foot now you remember lorna cook uh, a few weeks ago we showed her in before the you know the lockdown everything she was in sainsbury's with a copy of her book on the bestseller chart in sainsbury's well not just she's not just a paperback bestseller but she shared a thing on facebook the publisher ebook ranking uh, which comes out she's a top 10 uk national bestseller so she's number seven with her book forbidden promise she's up there with the Brilliant. likes of dean coots hillary mantel harlan coburn kathy reichs lorna cook Ah, this is just brilliant. This is just absolutely brilliant. So Lorna. It's, just, it's kind of, you can't, it's quite hard to take in, isn't it? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's quite hard because I remember Lorna, you know, way back in the BXP team before she'd even published the book. Um, I remember us, I remember her telling us about the deal that she got and she was so excited to get that book deal. Um, it's kind of hard to kind of like, you know, step back and, and think that she's actually, a best-selling author in the UK right now. Like she's she's up there with the best and the biggest. And she's such a lovely, lovely person. She's so unassuming, so humble about mm. it all. But here she is, like a listener of the podcast, folks. L- listen to this, everyone. You're <laughs> listening to this, but this is exactly what Lorna was doing a couple of years ago. I know she started with the podcast quite early on. But here is an example of someone who's journeyed with us through this, has kind of shared all her you know, ups and downs and has one now had an incredible initial um debut which which again in the summer of 2019 yeah, yeah. wasn't it it yeah. went it went t- it was the biggest selling i think romance novel and it was it was hitting the top the top 10s in in the novels in the main main uh, charts at that point but here we are with a second novel in the national supermarkets in the uk which is like you know it's like being in walmart in america i mean you know there's such a tiny selection of books get in there yeah and this is lovely lorna who's in our best in our bxp team i yeah. can't quite take it in and i'm sure lorna probably can't either <laughs> right i mean how do you even start to make sense of that but it's what this is all about this is living the dream and i just want to say congratulations lorna this is yes yeah, normally inspiring and exciting and for everyone listening who's dreaming of doing that here's someone that's done it right yeah so yeah and for involved. people for people who are starting out so we got a note from uh darren bodie on twitter is at darren bodie says hi i started writing a book and found your podcast i'm up to episode 21 and loving it inspirational and motivating listening when walking dogs in mount barker western australia oh western love australia. it and, oh i wish i could go on a walk there oh right yeah now. exactly let's do a live podcast from there uh, <laughs> darren said i thought i'd write as i just broke the twenty thousand word mark congrats on your book i'll be sure to read it so thank you darren thank you so much um He's broken the 20,000 word mark. That's uh, now you remember when we first started this, you'd never got beyond 20,000 words. That's a big milestone. That's my sticking point. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Congratulations, Darren. And keep going. I replied to Darren on Twitter. I said, you have permission to skip ahead to this episode um, to, to hear your shout out. So a big congrats. And he sent a picture of a lovely looking dog as well. So, um, so Darren, keep walking, keep writing, keep us posted on your progress. We want to know when you finished it. So, and you know, in a year or so or whenever, you know, we might be talking about you in the same way that we're talking about Lorna. I mean, uh, I've been listening to lots of old episodes of the podcast for various reasons. And I stumbled across, uh, we got a, an email from Mike, Mike Morris, who mm-hmm. dropped us a line, who now writes as Mike Shackle. He said, oh, listen to your podcast, The Joe Abercrombie. I've put up some of my old books. I've started getting my first reviews. He's now has this three book deal with Golance. He's just uh, put his, they did a cover reveal of book two in his series on Twitter this week. You know, this is little acorns, you know, it is definitely. Absolutely. 
Absolutely, I love it. Now, I think I know one of the reasons why we hit 5 million words, um, because Steve Gowland has been uh, doing the BXP 2020 challenge, and he's, you know, tweeting his word count every day. But he's a good lady, other half, who is on uh, Twitter as at DL Gowland writes. Um, She's just finished a draft of her book, which was 80,000 words long. And then she just banked all those 81,000 words in Brilliant. I love so, it. Thank you yeah. very, very and, much for that. And for people that wondering about banking their words, the idea is the idea is is that each day you write, once you finish writing, to reward yourself and give yourself that kind of little serotonin hit and that kind of like moment of victory, you pop along to our website and you go to BXP twenty twenty. You'll go to our main website. You'll see a drop down where you can say. Um, submit word count and you go to the what we call the word bank and you can submit your word count for the day and it's a really good habit to get into it's it's the kind of completion of that day and it sets you up for the next day and if you get the idea is how many streaks can you do how many days can you keep writing a minimum of 200 words however we do say that if you write and you bank once a week that's absolutely fine and in the case of you know in the case of you know banking an entire novel you can do that as well if you've done it as part of the bxp 2020 it's all included so we love we love hearing these stories when someone's actually finished a book as well i think people are worried that there are certain rules they can only do certain yeah. things we we don't care just yeah. write bank however words. many words then bank those words so ella craig got in touch she's at ella craig writes on twitter banging out an average of 250 words a day don't always submit the count daily but i am writing this means the work in progress should be around 25k but it's currently registering 31,614 words so you know Ella, fantastic, but bank those words. You yeah, do I mean, get, like you say, you, it's, I'm I'm working on short stories at the moment, so I'm only maybe doing between three and five hundred words a day um, before I get on with my working day, and it's uh, it is immensely satisfying. I always put out a tweet, I put out a funny little gif with it as well. You know, just it just uh, it just makes me feel like I've done that most important thing of the day before moving on. So Ella fantastic 250 words a day is absolutely brilliant but yeah bank it bank it and then last but by no means least we got uh william hatfield who is at author wh1016 on twitter uh, because i put out regular reminders have you banked your words and william hatfield said me today every day and twice on sunday so be (laughs) like william hatfield (laughs) be a william yeah be, be a, a william <laughs> absolutely absolutely and um and, and just to encourage you folks if you want to do this challenge um it, it starts on the first of january it's about writing as many words this year whether you join today and start today or whether you join at the end of april but if you want to target if you want to target if you're listening to this um in april or whenever whenever you listen to this you might be listening to this in 2025 for all we know but the point is 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 Go and register today, make the commitment, stick your name, uh, join the group, um, join that collective of people. We Because the other thing is collectively, we do want to write. We've got this ridiculously huge target. We we, we initially started, said we wanted to start um, with a billion words was, was the target. And that eventually will happen. I mean, it won't happen probably this year, but we're already starting to chip away at single digit percentages towards that target. So there's for me, five million is is way beyond any expectation we could hope for. But by joining part of this group, you're inspiring others to start writing as well. And one thing we do say is make sure that you 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 find find a friend, find a partner, um, talk about what you're doing on your Facebook group, on Twitter, just within your social groups, WhatsApp groups, and things like that. Tell them about it and get people to get involved because right now, it could be someone's saving grace. It could actually be someone's saving grace to have that daily focus. We all know, like as a parent right now, I know the biggest challenge I've got right now as a parent is giving my kids some kind of schedule because everything else is going, you know, we know that we don't do well without schedules and without without regular things. The BXP 2020 challenge could be the one thing that somebody does every single day without fail and so right now i think it's more important than ever to spread the word and get people in so make the commitment bxp2020.com sign up today start writing your words tomorrow or today and just see how it changes your life and then we'll read out your stories as soon as you let us know what's going on absolutely brilliant and thank you to everyone for sharing their stories i love it i love hearing all this it's great is there's so much you know positivity out there with our gang and we have the best listeners so thank you folks it's um it really really makes my day hearing all those little triumphs 
Absolutely, absolutely. Now, Mr. Stay, I believe we have an incredible interview. I mean, amongst all the other things that we've talked about so far, it just keeps getting better and better. Tell us about today's interview, Mel Sharat. Mel is just, this is the cherry on the cake of this episode. So this is, authors like Mel are the future. She's proper hybrid. And she writes cross-genre. So she writes crime fiction and what she calls pink lit. Uh, But Mm. she's self-published, uh, traditionally published by Avon, and she's published by Digital First, like Amazon and Bookature as well. She has sold over a million and a half books, but this is after years of rejection. But the chances are you've read one of her books. You know, she's done the estate book. She's done the DS Grace uh, uh, Allendale. She's done the DS Ali Shenton, the Marcy Steele book. She's done standalones of Bookature. And I had a great chat with her. This was uh, towards the beginning of the year. And um, so, you know, we, we mentioned things like the Harrogate Crime Festival and the London Book Fair, both of which have been bumped this year, but they will be back next year. But we talk about her determination to be published. And she answers some of our listeners' questions as well. But this is a really fun, inspirational listen. Fantastic. So let's listen to Mr. Say chatting with none other than Mel Sharrett. Mel Sharrett, welcome to the bestseller experiment. How are you today? I'm very well, thanks. It's great to be on board at last. Well, at last, yes. I keep keep bumping into you at things now. We must get you on the podcast. Must get you on the and we finally done it. And I'm so glad we have, because it's it's an incredible story that you have, how you came to be published. And I, I noticed elsewhere on your website in the About Me section, you, you, you've sold over a million and a half books. Wow. Um, but you mention years of rejection. We love a good story that starts with years of, of rejection. Tell us about because your first book, am I right? Your first ever story was about a gobstopper. Yes, it was. Jerry the gobstopper. <laughs> he was kidnapped by some blackjacks. <laughs> <laughs> in the sweet shop. I think I've always had a dark side and never re- re- realised until then. Um, yeah, gosh, my story is, is quite a long one. If you, if you go right back to the beginning, I've always wanted to write since I was eight or nine. Um, tried writing short stories in my teens, never got any further with that. And then in 1999, sat down and wrote my first book, which actually was then self-published in 2011. So that's a good 12 years of um, rejection trying to get that one published. What kept you going? Do you know what? I, I, do, I do not know. I think I, I, I think I must be born to write because it was just something was telling me just carry on, just just go for it. And I would have years where I wouldn't write at all, where I'd, I'd get rejected quite a few times by agents because obviously back in those days you had to have an agent before you get anywhere in publishing. And then it would the bug would always come back to me, and I'd try something else, get rejected again, and and I just. I just wouldn't give up and I just I suppose I write a bit cross genre as well which is between women's fiction and crime so it was very hard for a traditional publisher still is I think to actually market and I fell down quite a few holes because of that at acquisition meetings because nobody really knew where to place me so luckily for me the Kindle came out yeah I mean it's 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 interesting this cross genre thing because we've heard this from other authors. We've spoken to people. I think Angela Marsons was someone you know who yes. who again went out to publisher and publisher and they all turned her down. Now she's sold you know something like three million yes. copies. It's um uh, and you, there are some authors that just seem to have dropped between the cracks, aren't they? So you're getting rejected. You're very very persistent. You keep writing, and then you put together a book called Taunting the Dead which I believe was the first book that you published. Tell us how that came about. Yeah, it was actually the the second book I published. I published uh, one under the name of my pen name, Marcy Steele, at first. But actually, ah. Taunting the Dead was the fifth book I wrote because um, my very first one by Marcy Steele, which was called Steered with Love, was the one that I wrote from 1999 to about 2006. And then I wrote three books and a series that I've got called the Estate Series. And they went out to acquisition with traditional publishers, but they were, like I said, too cross-genre. So my agent at the time then suggested, why don't you do a, a police procedural, which I kind of do a crime drama, which is you know two th- maybe a, a third police and then I'm with the criminals and the victims the rest of the time. And then that one, when it went out, was too similar to Martina Cole and too similar to Linda LaPlante and, and et cetera, et cetera. So that's when I decided to self-publish that one 
Um, but, we've, but before that one, I'd self-published Marcy Steele as a little bit of a guinea pig to see if it, it took off just in case it didn't. So I didn't you know, just embarrass myself. We're, we're going to talk about the Marcy Steele books in a minute. I want to come to those in a minute because that's fantastic. But first of all, first of all, you're being rejected for being too different and crossing genres. And then you're being rejected for being too similar to Martina Cole. You must have been banging yeah. your head against the wall at that point. <laughs> Absolutely, because I've got so close... You know, and I started to go into Harrogate Crime Festival, so I met quite a few editors down there. And that's quite nice to meet them face to face as well. But I was getting so close; it was so frustrating that they were just turning me down. They, they liked they liked me. They got to know me. I run a, a blog at the time called High Heels and Book Deals, where I was interviewing lots of authors. So I got I was I was networking quite well. So I knew quite a lot of them, and it was quite frustrating even then for them to turn around to me and say, "Look, I'm sorry, the sales team hasn't gone with it." We, you know, I want, I want to, but they don't know how to, how to address the market with you. So, but you were going to the Harrogate Crime, which listeners, if you're a crime fan, a crime reader, crime writer, is absolutely is. First of all, it's a beautiful part of the world, so any excuse to go there. But the Harrogate Crime Festival is just incredible. Everyone is there, and you were you were part of that community before you were published. Which, I guess. Did you ever fe- ever have a feeling like it's just a matter of time? I'm in this community. I know these people. It surely must be a matter of time. Do you know what? I, I don't even know if it was that. I was just determined that somebody wasn't going to say that, that I couldn't publish my, my book or whether it was a case of I always wanted to be a writer and I was never going to, you know, I was going to maybe try a different genre if this one wouldn't work. But just just being in that community was was good, actually, because you could see, like you say, you could meet people and you could meet other authors who gave you gave me encouragement. I was, before I was um, published, I... Um, I was talking to Ian Rankin and he was giving me great, great advice and just, just little things like that. Just a, a wow moment for me, but just he, you know, he's saying to him, just carry on, just, just keep writing, just, just do what you do and it will happen eventually. And it, it did, but uh, you know, some people it doesn't take over 12 years. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that, that's, that's the thing though. If you've got Ian Rankin telling you to keep going, you, you pay attention to him, don't you? You know, uh, it's some, um, it's fascinating to me that that you you had this blog, High Heels and Book Deals, which I don't think still exists. Is it? Is it still? No, no. no I took okay. it down. I had to take it down. It was taking up too much of my time. And obviously, once you're a published author, it was a bit, a bit about my journey as well. So when you publish, I couldn't really do a lot more. I didn't feel comfortable doing book reviews like I used to do. So right, and yeah. obviously, um, it took too much time up. It was it was a good twenty hours a week doing the blog around a full time job without the writing. So I just wanted them out to go. But that helped build your re it helped embed you in the community but it helped really sort of build your readership before you had a book didn't it i think it, i think it did because um, i i like i said i talked about my journey on the blog and also when i when i put taunting the dead out i literally just put a blog post out and put out for 99 pence and just said here's the book I didn't know whether I'd get a reception for it or anything. It was it was the days when there was only five hundred thousand books on the Kindle at that time, so it was a good time to market a book. But I was just thought, you know what, I'm going to have a go and put it out myself. It had a totally different cover than anything else, uh, and it had a rose with a lot of blood coming off it, taunting the dead. Mm. Um, and I, I just said, here you are, this is it. And I think a lot of people then gave me a bit of because it was nice on Twitter then it was lovely it was it was the big community there so people were retweeting and then people were taking chances to 99 pence book and I think within five weeks it just hit the top 100 and it was just it was just a, just phenomenal how, how it happened <laughs> when is this we're, t- we're talking about is this 2012 2013 ish it was 8th of December 2011 I love you still know the date <laughs> yeah, days back it was uh, yeah it was literally you know Put, pressing that button on that Kindle changed my life. Wow. Wow. Mm. Uh, in the process of publishing the book, did you do the thing of, uh, you know, did you build up a beta, a group of beta readers or did you get an editor? How was, because you obviously you, you knew, you knew authors, you knew editors, you knew agents, you knew the process. What was your process leading up to publication of that first book? I basically did nothing, Mark. <laughs> um, I, I literally learned from my mistakes, but to bear in mind the book had been um, 
it had been edited and edited and edited quite a few times with my, myself or my agent to get to the level that it could get, go to acquisition. So I just put it out myself. My friend designed me the cover and I just put the book out. And then quite a few, re- I had quite a few readers saying, you've got these few errors in and, I, you know, and then so I'll go back and change them. I was very lucky at the time that um, I wouldn't recommend it now, <laughs> obviously, <laughs> but at the time I was, I was still learning. And I got some of those readers now who actually – in the beginning saying to me that you you know this this word's wrong and this word's wrong they are in my reader team now still I've got I've got a reader, a reader team of about 50 and really? they've been with me from the beginning wow okay what do you do with the reader team do you that you, you send out early copies to them and they give you feedback and do you use all of them at once or do you use them in stages what I tend to do with them is I've got the book to a stage where I don't really need feedback. I work with, um, you know, I work with copy editors and yeah. proofreaders okay. and everything okay. now yeah. before the books go out. So they actually are, I suppose they're not beta readers, they're early advanced readers, so they'll they'll put me reviews out. Wow. So once the book goes out, they have the, the book about a month before and then they will put the reviews up. So that's what I tend to use my team for. Fantastic. That's wonderful. So you put... Taunting the Dead out there. It's a hit. What came next for you? Did you have any kind of strategy beyond book one? Because we, everyone's so focused on getting that first book out there. And then you got that second difficult album syndrome. You know, what, what, what did what was your plan there? What were you, what did you think you had to do? Well, you see, I've got I've got four books ready to go out. Right, Taunting the Dead was my fifth book, so I had the three estate series books that I did, um, and I didn't realise at the time. I think I found a businesswoman in me once I published Taunting the Dead, <laughs> but I didn't realise at the time that I put three those three books out: one in June of that year, one in October of that year, and one in December of that year. And I think that was the best strategy I ever came up with without thinking of a strategy. To be fair, <laughs> by the end of 2012, I'd sold 200,000 copies of all <gasps> books together, um, and that's when agents started coming after me. Then, so it was, um, yeah. I think I learned. I, I did literally learn everything as I've gone on, and, and just um, hopefully got better as I've gone on. <laughs> <laughs> now, listeners, let this be a lesson to you that nothing you write is ever wasted. I mean, twelve years of rejection. Three, four, five books rejected, and then suddenly, boom, 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 you sell 200. That, that is astonishing. Absolutely amazing. Were those the estate books, the series known as the estate books? They were, yes. Okay, yeah. tell us about those. Where did they? Because you worked as a housing officer, didn't you? Did, was it? I, I did, and, and way back when I was writing them was um, 2009, 2010, and my favourite programme on, on the TV then was Shameless. Um, and I'm, I just absolutely loved thinking about um, writing the job that I did. It gave me a, a huge background to be a housing officer on there. And there's also sort of all sorts of characters, good and bad on there. Yeah. And they're, they're predominantly about women in jeopardy. So they're a bit like Coronation Street, but a bit darker. So still at that cross genre of women's fiction and, and, and crime drama, really. Mm. But very real, very grounded, very based in, in the life that you knew. Yes, definitely. Very working class. <laughs> <laughs> Again, that might be why publishers didn't get it. <laughs> I think so. I do think so, yeah. <laughs> I think you might be right. I'm not bitter, I'm not bitter or anything. Um, <laughs> I know that you're right. <laughs> you said agents started coming out. So you, you had, you know, four hit books come out. Agents started coming after you. Was there a part of you that thought, well, what do I need an agent for? I'm already doing quite well on my own, thank you very much. Or uh, were you happy to sort of take those calls? The actually the agent that I had come to me then was my third agent. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd worked with one doing the Marcy Steele book, and then she retired. And then I was working with one when I was doing the estate series and Taunting the Dead. And when Taunting the Dead did well, she wasn't really interested in taking it on to a traditional publisher or anything. So I just thought I'm going to part company with you, which was like a, a real shall I do I dare, you know, let go of an agent. And then I just decided that I wanted to put those three estate books out and have a go at it myself first for a year. But always in the back of my mind, I always wanted a traditional deal. So when the agents came calling, I was uh, lucky enough to be able to pick. And I was lucky when, when I picked Madeleine Milburn as well. So mm. she wanted to get me known internationally in, in TV, film, et cetera, things like that. The foreign rights are things that I couldn't, couldn't get at the time. I mean, obviously, you hear of 
independent publishers now, I was trying to think, indie authors, sorry, um, you hear of them now going out and getting their own deals. But way back in 2011, 12, you couldn't do anything. Yeah. You couldn't, you know, self-publishing was frowned at. So there was no way you were going to get a foreign deal or anything without it. It's such a, a great um, place to be now as, as a, you know, as a writer. But back then it was still very much like, you know, you don't go anywhere unless you've got an agent. So, so I did want to at the time, I wanted that traditional deal. I think what's amazing looking at your books, because the estate books, they're self-published, uh, the Ali Shenton books, they're Thomas and Mercer, which is an Amazon imprint. And the Grace Allendale series is Avon, which is part of HarperCollins. So you've done the lot, haven't you? You're your, your proper hybrid author. How does that feel? I have. I've also published two with, with Bukachu. Oh, yes, Bukachu. Yes, that's yeah. the <laughs> Girls Next Door and Don't Look Behind You, isn't it? Yeah. Yes, I'm quite a publishing tart, I should say. <laughs> I think it's because there's so much out there that you can try now and if you know if you, if you feel something isn't working or you feel that you can do better somewhere else you, you have got that option to go you don't have to stay with one publisher all the way through now uh, dare I ask which style of publishing is your favorite you, you you can take the fifth on that one for fear of not offending anyone but I mean does does publishing your own is that fun having that freedom that control is that more enjoyable or do you like it when a publisher swoops in and does all the graft for you in terms of the marketing and publicity and stuff like that it's it's swings and roundabouts isn't it yeah I'm gonna have to say I like <laughs> I like a bit of both which is a bit weird, but um, I do I like you know the fact that I've got a team behind me with with Avon and I've got you know I can just literally I write the book and I hand it to them and they do everything else it's just fantastic but I also do like that self-publishing where I'm in charge of my covers I can do what I want but I can't get the marketing out there like I used to do um so um I've as we're going to talk about later on, I started again with Marcy Steele. I've now got to build her back up again because she's been, you know, she hasn't been published for three or four years. So that's going to be an interesting challenge for me as a self-publisher again. So it's, I, I, I do like both of them. I wouldn't even say any any was better than the other, really. Excellent, good answer, good answer. <laughs> Let's talk about Marcy Steele, and we've got a couple of uh, listener questions. As Paul Austin Ardwin uh, says, how do you divide your time up between your crime fiction your and your pink lit, which is what you call it on your website? Do you write them at the same time? Do you spend all your time on a single book until it's done, then switch to another genre? And that, like like you say, you've you've not done a Marcy Steele book for a while, have you? That but. That that was the first book you actually published was a Marcy Steele. Tell us about Marcy, how she came about. Well, it was always because I wanted to write women's fiction. I never, ever wanted to have a life of crime. Um, <laughs> and it was just when I started to work on the estate series and, and, and marry the two, and then we couldn't get that, those published that we, I turned to, to, you know, the police procedural side of it. So in my heart of heart, I've always wanted to be a women's fiction writer. And um, now that I'm actually starting to write, write her again, I... I do like them both. I'm probably the same, you know, with, with like we've just been talking before. I like doing both disciplines. I can switch off from one quite easily to do the other, but I can only work on one book at a time. Mm. So that answers that question there. I can't, I can't switch from one in the morning to one in the afternoon. No. I have to just do go all in with one. And then once that, if that goes off to an editor, then I'll start going, going on the other genre. And the indie books, they're all exclusive to KDP, aren't they? They're all Amazon exclusives. Yes. Would, have you ever contemplated going wide with those or do you like staying in that sort of Amazon marketplace? Um, I did go wide in 2011, 12, 13. Ah. And I couldn't get any, any sales. My, my books predominantly sell in the UK as well. Obviously, with being British, quite British and obviously working class, they, they, they don't sell well overseas. So yeah. that's why I brought them all back to exclusively to, to Kindle. But that was before Select came okay. out so um, i was always on different platforms until then okay and barb reimer has uh, a question simple question plotter or pantser <laughs> simple question quite a long time <laughs> um, i'm a bit i'm a bit of here go again Excellent. um i tend to have a beginning and a middle and an end for my main character the the suspects the victims the, the criminals and then I'll marry all those different characters together, put the beginnings, the middle and ends into a bullet form. And then I literally just sit down and write 50,000 words in about 25 days. I try and do two to 3,000 words a day, keep myself in the story, just basically let, let it all out. Um, on first draft, I get to about 50,000 words then. Um, and then the second draft, which is the most painful one for me, is the one where I try and make it into a book from what I've originally come up with, the ideas 
that have come out organically as well as on on the list so it's quite heartbreaking then because I lose quite a lot of words but I put a lot of words back in um, make it into a chapter form then make it into get all the hooks that I've thought of from when I've read the first draft back and and from then I just literally go to 55,000 words then 60,000 words 70,000 words and my my first drafts tend to come out now between 70 and 75 and then I send them off and then I get the get back and I annihilate them and add probably another 10, 15, 20,000 words to them then. (laughs) (laughs) I can't do it any other way. I would love to be a planner, but I just like it to grow organically when I I love the fact that the characters start to talk to you and when they go a different way from the plot, I'm going to follow them because I know that they're going to lead me to something far more interesting than I thought of in the first place. (laughs) Well, that's the thing. I'm guessing something like the Estate series, if it's based a lot on your own experiences, it's going to be obviously not basing particular characters on real people but you will have i bet you've met some characters in your life haven't you you know in that kind of uh, shameless mold that you were talking about earlier yeah i have and i have sometimes have readers say that some of the things that my characters do are totally unbelievable and they, they wouldn't do them and can categorically say to you <laughs> they will because i've been there and i've seen it and i've heard it and uh, yeah so it does quite annoy me when people say that oh they would they wouldn't do that in real life well yes they would but then again, it's fiction. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, a quick question about the name Marcy Steele. Where did that come from? Why is that? Is that, a, is that a Daniel Steele uh, tip of the hat to Daniel Steele? Or it's quite embarrassing actually, because Marcy Steele was just made up basically because I wanted to have initials to sign off as MS, like I'll share it. So I just came up with with Marcy Steele, and that was it. That was just there was never any meaning behind it. It was just a nice ring to it. <laughs> <laughs> Quite embarrassing, really, but uh, no, she just she just became and Marcy Steele then actually just became this person who just sits by the side of me as if she's real. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I read somewhere as well that when you got your first paperback, and this was self-published paperback, you sniffed it. Oh gosh, yes. Okay. Oh, it was such a wonderful feeling. I I still have that paperback, and actually, it's. it's terrible because I couldn't get the picture image to to fit properly so I stretched it <laughs> the, the whole feature is awful and I like to hold that up when I do talks because this is how not to do <laughs> um, I've had, obviously had covers designers since then but yeah even that's to be fair even now I, I just every time if I get a big you know box of 20 books when they first come out you lift them up you have a good sniff and you think yeah and, and people say to to me when oh I can't read on my Kindle I like to you know I like to feel a book I like to you know to sniff the book it is a thing. I don't know why. No, it is. It is, it is. Uh, the reason I ask is uh, this started with one of our listeners and, and author, Penilla Hughes, who, uh, when she got her first book, she put up a, a video of herself sniffing the book. And now everyone in the BXP group, if we ever get a book published, if we ever get the first thing we do, oh, printing ink, you know. Right, so next time when my when my books come through, I shall I shall do a little video for you. <laughs> yes, please, yes, please. We'd love that. We would absolutely love that. Uh, I also read somewhere that your office where you write, you have positive affirmations on the yeah. wall. Yeah, I do. Is that is that through? Is that the years of the rejection speaking to you? There is that is that you just you know, because surely you're on a roll now. Yeah, I always think that, but you just you never know. It's all, I think that it's a career that is book by book. One book can go, one book can, can not go, and you never know the reason why they do or they don't. So I also think I'm a typical Virgo. So everything, I'm a real perfectionist to a point that sometimes I'm, I annoy myself. <laughs> so, yeah, I do have all, all, all things around my, my office that I just look at all the time that makes me focus on, on, you know, you can do this. You're okay. You've got this. That's one of them. <laughs> I mean, it's for, if, you know, if you're a listener here starting out and you're thinking, I'm riddled with self doubt and I feel like, uh, you know, I, I, I feel like a fraud, that kind of thing. But, you know, authors who've, I mean, we've heard this from people like Joanne Harris as well, that they themselves get this sometimes crippling self doubt. So anything that really gets you through the writing day, really, isn't it? It is. I mean, I, I'm just going to start my my twentieth book in January, and I still get panicky every time one goes out, or it's not good enough. That I'm going to be found out. Imposter syndrome is huge, and I, I do think it's a creative thing, though. I think we're always trying to strive for better, which is which is really good. So I think if I ever got complacent, I think that's just time to stop. 
because you're thinking you're thinking you're okay I'm, I'm okay with this and you're not you have to keep striving to be better and hopefully the next book will be better and the next book will be better and that's the way that you keep your readers I think absolutely wonderful stuff listeners at uh, the time we're recording this before Christmas so uh, your new book, your new Marcy Steele book, The Man Across the Street. By the time you listen to this, this will be out. And you said you're starting a new book in January, which by the time people are listening would have been three months ago. Keep up, everyone. Uh, is, <laughs> uh, is this, uh, what's next? What is that about? What's what? Or can you tell us or is it top secret? No, the next one is going to be um, the second of the Marcy Steele series that I'm starting in January. Um, and I've also got, by the time this comes out, probably will be out now, I have my third book with Avon called Liar Liar. It comes out on the 19th of March. Wonderful stuff. Uh, well, Mel, you're an inspiration to all of us. This is just fantastic. Um, thank you so much for speaking to us today. So sorry it took so long. Uh, oh. But um, I hope to bump into you at the London Book Fair soon. And maybe, oh, sure maybe we can chat again then. Yeah, been nice speaking to you, Mark. Take care. Thank you. Thanks. Bye-bye. I love a good story, Mark. And, <laughs> you know, it's it's fascinating, isn't it? The more we talked with with authors that have broken that broken that magic million it seems such an incredibly huge target but listening to mel's story i was just blown away by how how her determination kept her going but once that once that flywheel effect kicked in once that tipping point went in you know boom two hundred thousand sales and and yeah. it's funny isn't it it's kind of like this long hard slog for some people but when it when it finally goes it it happens and it's that overnight success that everyone talks about, but what everyone always forgets is it's never so. There's no such thing as an overnight success. No, Twelve so. years of rejection. Twelve years of rejection. And she said something that uh, you may recall uh, one of our early episodes of Julie Cohen. She said exactly the same thing, which is nothing you write is ever wasted. Mm. Now, in Mel's case, she had, you know, these books that had been rejected on standby that she put out there, and boom, instant series. But uh, what Julie was talking about, you know, you might not publish something, but it might spark off an idea. And this is this is the great fear that people have, particularly when embarking on a big novel. They kind of think, is it worth it? Am I going to be rejected? Am I going to be turned away? But doesn't I mean I've got I've got whole books. I wrote a book last year that you know didn't get picked up has been rejected everywhere you know it's, it's probably not going to be published but i now have the option to self-publish i learned so much from doing that book that i'm applying to other writing you know it it rejection doesn't ever stop but the way that you cope with it has to adapt and change and i think you have to embrace it and you have to keep writing because as we said before the the surefire road to failure is to stop but yeah. if you keep at it, 12 years, it took Mel 12 years, but she's earned every one of those million and a half sales. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it, and it also goes back to the idea that if you're not getting rejected, you're not trying. Exactly. That's the bottom line. You've got, it's a, we talked about this before. Rejection is a badge of honor that every author wears with pride. Because if you've never been rejected, you've never put anything out there and it's it's a very safe space for people to be but you know as authors that want to actually live the dream of sharing their work and and, and gifting the world with their incredible stories without the rejections you can't get the successes and i think mel's story for me is a reminder to us all that the only way you ever fail as an author there's only two ways you ever fail as an author number one you never put anything out there hmm right and number two you you stop you give up because within mel's story she didn't give up and i do believe this and i've coached so many people through this through through rejection through the through the long road but what i've discovered is that the people that keep going eventually hit gold in some shape or form it might not be a million and a half cells it could be 10 million cells it might be something completely unrelated to sales but still becomes a huge accomplishment in their life and so if you're feeling like a failure stop feeling like a failure because you control the journey that you're on right now you decide at what point you are going to put something out there and uh, i'm going to do a deep dive one day on on perfectionism because that's a huge huge part of what blocks people putting things out um but actually at the other end it's like you just don't stop if you're willing to keep trying and that's what we're here for, really, Mark. I feel our job is to keep people going. We've had many stories of people that said they'd quit and then the podcast kind of got them reused yes. and then suddenly yeah. something happens. So, you know, our job here is to keep you guys going, to keep you walking along that road. 
and and to keep believing um, that it will happen because that's what Mel did. And now she's been on the podcast. She sold one and a half million books. Um, and, you know, is again, another insp- inspiration for everyone out there, um, for, for many people out there who, who are kind of slightly further back from her journey, you know, still in that kind of rejection phase or not believing they could ever make it happen. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Having seen this podcast go on for so long, we've seen every stage in that story now. If you go we back have. and listen to all of these, you'll you'll hear listeners who were, you know, getting rejections, struggling to finish their first book, who are now, you know, like we've said, getting getting deals with major publishers. Uh, we talked about Andy at the top of the show who did, in response to a, a call out from the BBC for 10-minute short f- scripts on, you know, uh, on, on staying at home and corona and everything. But he now has a script okay they rejected it but he could now make this himself he's learned something from from the just the act of writing that script he is now one step further along in in his writing journey so nothing you write is ever wasted i i, I truly believe that absolutely brilliant stuff another thing another thing that i picked up from the interview was again we've it's it's another reminder write what you know you know mel talked about her experiences as a housing officer yes, and actually yeah. claire as well you know at the top of the show your wife she's writing a book based on one of the things she loves which is you know allotments and gardening she knows it intricate, intricately <laughs> and murder yeah just chucked in there oh but um you know there's you know that's the fiction bit obviously which is always good to chuck in um but you know i I think that i think it's really good to remember that because um fiction in itself is incredibly imaginative but build a foundation build on a foundation of something that you're already aware of you you maybe know intimately you have some knowledge about because it just means that you don't then have to kind of second guess and you feel more confident in what you're creating and you know that it is kind of factually true when you're talking about you know i mean goodness knows what what gardening implements claire's pulled into a story i'm sure there's a few <laughs> um but um we could have a guess shouldn't we really we could have like you know top 10 gardening murder weapons but but i think that it's very it's really fascinating to be reminded you know mel did the same she had she was going to work every day and was able to live like creatively in her mind while she was working because she's thinking oh that'd make a really great story or that's an interesting take on that um so that was that was a brilliant thing and then the other thing was that i loved mel's spirit and trying everything and seeing what works for you it's not a case of having to pick your horse and that's it you're kind of stuck with traditional publishing or you're stuck with being an indie author it's like she's tried pretty much every form of publishing out there she's written in many different genres some people if they just try one thing they might not realize it's a bit like playing a musical instrument it's like you might learn to play the piano but it might not be the instrument that you just click with whereas you pick up a guitar and suddenly you're like oh this is it this is my instrument but unless you try the guitar you never know that so i think it's a really good opportunity for people to try something new if they're feeling stuck if they're not feeling that resonance with what they're currently doing, it's try something well, new. Absolutely. I mean, this is it's fascinating because Mel started self-publishing and has done, you know, digital first and traditional publishing. But I am talking to authors who have been traditionally published who are now coming to me because I do a consultancy thing and they're coming to me and asking me about self-publishing and indie publishing and how they do it. So I think you're, you're going to see that. You're going to see authors who've maybe been doing the traditional thing, but maybe, you know, they've, I, I know one author recently who submitted a book to their agent. The agent submitted to the publisher. The publisher said, no, not for us. It's a bit different. Can you do the same thing again? Mm. Now that author's going to do the same thing again for that publisher, but they've now got a book that doesn't have a home and they're now thinking, what the hell i could i could self-publish this why not there's nothing stopping me from doing this and it's now matured into such a a, an industry that there are experts who can step in and help you with the stuff that you don't know about so it's um i think the hybrid is the future and people like mel are gonna you know forge the way forward so it's uh, it's gonna be fascinating seeing what she does next absolutely and just just to plug my co-host because he won't do it himself obviously um markstaywrites.com forward slash writer hyphen services we go to markstaywrites.com mark does consultancy and he got some incredible reviews for the work he does well i mean you know you listen to him every week you kind of know what the score is (laughs) so if you if you want to if you want to um work directly with mark check out his website because uh yeah 
I, I pop along every now and again and I like to read your blog as well because you kind of like give a, <laughs> almost like another view of the podcast on it. It's great. Excellent stuff. So, Mr. Stay, um, next couple of weeks, it's all about keeping sane, keeping yes. healthy, keeping yeah. your brain and your mind healthy by continuing to write. So remember, folks, if you want to if you want to support this podcast, if you find this podcast inspiring, there is a fact out there that less than 1% of people typically support podcasts by, by contributing to the running costs of them. So we're going to, we're going to put it out there. If you're able to right now, obviously, I know a lot of people can't, but if you are able to, and you're finding this podcast inspiring, if it's helping keeping going, please, please come along and show your support for the podcast. Keep us uh, coming back and, and keep on doing this and bringing, bringing all this wonderful news for you. Uh, bestsellerexperiment.com forward slash support. Sign up and get loads and loads of goodies. And come and find us on social media. Come and say hi. Uh, Facebook, we're Bestseller Experiment. Twitter and Instagram, we are at Bestseller XP. And come over to the website. All sorts of fun stuff there, bestsellerexperiment.com. And if you enjoyed this, please subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcatcher of choice. And as always, a big thank you to our editors, Dave and JD. We had some microphone issues at the beginning of the show, um, which is just gave me a little challenge, a little something to do, didn't we, Mr. Dave? Absolutely. My microphone needed some Viagra because it got a bit droopy. In, I've got to say, in three years, I've always shown, I've always been up for the job, but this to this morning, the microphone was not having any of it. So I sometimes wish we videoed these podcasts because that would have been a perfect video blooper. So well done for sticking with us to the end of the show to hear that story. Um, <laughs> and, um, and, and also, just to remind everyone, um, we love a public declaration. Um, it's proven to actually give you such an incredible accountability like our BXP 2020 challenge does as well. So if you want to make a goal and you want to publicly de declare it, which means you're going to make sure you deliver it because we're going to put it in the diary and we're going to share it with uh, our writing community, drop us an email. You can come to the website, bestsellerexperiment.com, click on the contact button and send us an email that comes directly to me and Mark. We read everyone and we will respond to you. And uh, or we'll just go to Twitter or Facebook and you can post it on there as well and we'll read it out on the show. What I will say about public declarations, right, Make it manageable. I, I, I've had I've had a few where people say, oh, "I'm going to write a novel in three months." If you're not running at that pace, make it six months. Make it a year. Make it whatever you think is manageable, because you know you want to achieve it. You want to make it realistic. Absolutely. So don't don't feel you've got to all be Usain Bolt. You know, um, you can be like me, a bit of a tortoise. So uh, you know, yeah, think think carefully about that date you're going to put in the diary, but. We do put it in the diary and I do chase you up. So there. Brilliant. Excellent stuff. So everyone, I hope you have a fantastic week or so. We'll be back very soon with another incredible interview to give you and another hopefully inspiring podcast to keep you going through these very strange days. Um, but I think we're going to look back on this, Mark. We're going to look back on this time. as just a little thought for the day. For all of the challenges that everyone is facing and obviously I don't want to also, you know, uh, ignore the fact that there's a lot of people who are going through some incredibly challenging times right now, whether it's financial, whether it's through the loss of family members, uh, people who are worried about getting the virus and like, but there is another side to look at. And that is what is going to happen when we can reestablish some form of normality. And I've got to say that for every incredible trauma that happens in your life, there is always an equal and opposite benefit or something that something beautiful that will come out of this for all of us, whether it's on a on a society level, an individual level, just in a general appreciation of how how incredible our lives are and and the things that we have that we've maybe always taken for granted. So I what I'm doing right now is I'm trying not to read the news too much. I'm keeping informed. But what I'm thinking about is what are all the beautiful things that are going to come out of this period that we're going through what are our children and the generations these younger generations going to be telling their grandkids about the times that they had hardships in their life and how's that going to affect their lives for the rest of their life i honestly think there's going to be some absolutely phenomenally beautiful things that are going to come out of this and as hard as that is to imagine right now hang on with that thought because for me that's what gets you through some of the darker days and start imagining what could change in our lives um, you know, what opportunities will come out of this period of, you know, self-isolation and quarantine that would never have happened if we weren't forced to do it. 
And uh, so I just want to leave that with everyone who's struggling right now and, and looking for a little glimmer of hope. Play with it, have some fun with it. We're all writers, we've got amazing imaginations. What's the feel-good story that comes out of the COVID-19 pandemic? And I think there's going to be lots, lots, lots. So, Mr. Stay, have an amazing couple of weeks and we'll be back really soon. It's a goodbye from Mark 1. And a goodbye from Mark 2. Goodbye. Goodbye. (laughs) 